0: This is the Let's Grab Coffee podcast, and I'm your host, George Khalife. All right, Ro, what's going on, man? Not
1: too much. Just hanging out. How about yourself?
0: Dude, it's been a while. We were, uh, for everyone listening, we were catching up for probably 10 minutes before the recording. Uh, For those who may know, may not know, Rohan and I first met at TMX, so we were actually colleagues. Um, Also, cubicle buddies, man. I don't know if you remember yeah. those days, dude. That was a fun time. It, there was never a dull morning. Let me just... I, I do
1: I do remember those days. You sitting next to me, me constantly bugging you while you're trying to do work <laughs> and take calls. And I'm just trying to have a good time. Yeah, I remember those days. Right. Th-
0: th- throwing like these uh, massage balls my way. All that shit I had to deal with, man. Um, no, listen, it's good to see you. A lot has, I think, changed since we were you know, last colleagues at, at TMX in that associate program. First, I think I wanted to touch on Cause I think that's probably the most interesting part first before we get to what, what's about to transpire. But the kind of shift from TMX to, to the startup world, right? You, you moved to Clearco, which is Clear Bank. It was renamed, uh, Clearco, but for those listening, it's Clear Bank, uh, in Toronto moved then to Gorgias. So just wanted to get your take on why make that shift? Has it been a fruitful one and kind of the differences too between working in FinServe financial services, uh, to the startup side as well.
1: Yeah, no, it's a good question. I think coming out of university, like majoring in finance, doing my business major, um, I definitely wanted to get a job in that corporate environment. And TMX was super attractive from that standpoint, like really just encompasses everything with respect to financial services. And so that for me was like, okay, it's a win. I definitely want to take this job. I want to hop into this associate program. And part of the reason why I did that associate program too, was because like a lot of kids that come out of university, I wasn't like set on this is exactly what I want to do. Right. Yeah. Um, I wanted the exposure to the associate program. And for those that don't know, there's four different rotations within the associate program over the course of two years. So, you know, we had the chance to expose ourselves to different areas of the organization and see what we like and what we don't like. And so after that associate program, I hung out at TMX for, as you know, probably about a year, year and a half after that. And, um, or something to that too, maybe. And then, um, you know, the startup environment is super attractive, right? Because it's constantly changing. It's in a very agile environment. And that for me was super attractive. You know, I wanted to join a company that had been founded within the last couple of years that was constantly growing, constantly developing and looking for its place in the market. And I thought that fast paced environment was something that was attractive to me. And uh, one of the things that I like to have in all of my roles is interaction with people uh, left, right and center. And you know the role at ClearCo at the time had uh, allowed me the opportunity to work with people external to the company, but also people internally to make sure that we come to a common goal, and that's why I made the jump over. And uh, after ClearCo, I did make the jump to Gorgeous, which was a partner of ClearCo, and Gorgeous is a customer support tool for e-commerce companies. So I retained myself in the e-commerce environment, um, doing a very similar type role at Gorgeous, but. Um, just that, you know, more of a tech oriented company on the back end. And so it's been very fruitful to your question, to your earlier question. I have enjoyed my experience so far uh, over the last couple of years in the startup environment. And, you know, I'm happy I made the change, but also very, very good experiences at TMX.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Like to your earlier point, I, f- I felt the same. And that's part of, part of the reason why I ended up joining the associate program as well. I, I didn't really have a, a very straight footing in, within finance. Like I, I didn't really know what what I could even do. I didn't even know like sales and marketing was a thing. And it's funny how you're able to jump from finance to something that like what you're doing now on the partnership side, focused on VCs in the startup world. I mean, if I were to ask you this like four years ago, would you have thought this was even a a route you could take?
1: No, definitely not. I mean, like going into TMX, you know, in in that associate program, I didn't know what I was going to expose myself to. So um, being in the role that I am now and interacting with like VCs and private equity firms and angels to a smaller degree, I didn't, I definitely didn't see that coming out of university. So all of these experiences up until now have allowed me to kind of expose myself there. And and I'm happy that it's brought me to this place for sure.
0: And and for those wondering what, or how how would you describe your role as a partnerships manager? There might be someone who might be applying mm-hmm. or even just wondering what that even means. Uh, and especially when, when there's a focus on the VC side.
1: Yeah. So in the startup environment, obviously, like one of the main goals is always to add new customers to the portfolio. So partnerships essentially is business development. I'm working with partners within my purview in order to um, help my partners realize what my company can bring to the table for their clients in their portfolio. So my partners, for example, are venture capitalists. So I'll work with them in the consumer environment. And with venture-backed companies, a lot of times they don't really focus as much as they need to on customer support. So I help my partners in the VC environment um, you know, make that connection between customer support and helping their brands grow in the hope that we can add those brands to our portfolio at Gorgias. So it's a very business development oriented position. And then I work very closely with sales on the uh, internal side. So I work really closely with my sales team to pass off those, pass off those deals and help them become a customer of Gorgeous. Hmm.
0: Very interesting. Yeah, it's a, mm-hmm. so I guess basically it's, it's partnering with the VC community, making sure they understand the value prop, which can then I guess transpire to their portfolio companies and mm-hmm. ideally, Having some or maybe all of their portfolio companies leveraging the gorgeous platform. Previously, it was Clearco, but in a similar fashion, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And then one of the most important things about partnerships is you have to provide value back to your partners too. So Mm -hmm. one of the ways that I've been able to do that, you know, at Gorgeous, we have about 6,500 companies in the portfolio right now. And with that number of companies, of course, at any given time, there are a number of companies that are actively raising capital, right? Um, And so part of what I can do to provide value to my VC partners is help pitch some companies in my portfolio that are looking to raise capital to VCs on the other side and hopefully make a relevant conversation happen. You know, there's no, obviously no promises and guarantees that it's going to lead to an investment, but at least if we can help make those conversations happen, um, it shows value for my VC partners that there's something to look for in the gorgeous portfolio. And then it helps uh, my companies on the flip side get in front of some investors. So it's kind of a win-win for everybody.
0: Yeah. I think I saw, I believe what you're referring to is those, those po- kind of podcast series that you were doing, right? Yeah. The video. I mean, I love that, man. It, it made so much sense and and clear. When you say value, like that's exactly how you can demonstrate that. Although that word dude, recently has been traveling a shit ton across platforms, especially like LinkedIn. And sometimes I feel like it's used so sparingly. How do you come up creatively with real tangible value that, you know, speaks well to, to your eventual customer and your customer's customer?
1: Yeah. I think like l- the reason why we started that podcast, Best of Interest, it's a pitch competition that we host in live real time, and then we record and turn it into a blog post. I think content has changed everything, right? The way we can produce content and then put it in front of people. Um, you know, Emails and phone calls are great in order to communicate value proposition, but eventually things are going to get lost in translation. Whereas right. if you give people something tangible to look at, to watch, to read, Um, You know, valuable piece of content information in a blog post, for example, um, or in video form, that's kind of what's going to change the game, right? If people can look at something and say, hey, I can get value out of that, or that's going to be meaningful for me, then that's what's going to ignite the conversation. So putting good pieces of content in front of my partners and in front of their brands is what's helped us out. And across all of my partnerships team, I think they're doing really well um, at producing content and making sure that it's relevant to their audiences.
0: By the way, something you may have already done or, or know about, but something I'm actually currently doing is the inbound marketing uh, course with HubSpot. Uh, dude, it's really, really efficient, um, really helping me kind of create that, 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 that process around marketing, both inbound and, and outbound. But it, it's, mm. been, it's been super helpful. And, and obviously, this is another example in itself of you know, a platform creating value explicitly for people but their brand is always around it. Right. You say like the HubSpot certificate or course or whatever. So uh, anyways, I'm not sure if you checked it out, but.
1: Uh, I haven't checked that out specifically, but like definitely a good thing to get involved with for sure. Um, absolutely. I mean like we, we use HubSpot at Gorgeous too. Like it's a very, very efficient tool and like just being able to track like what deals are coming from me and pass it off to the sales team so that we can work together collaboratively. I think obviously makes all the difference.
0: Now, Speaking of content, something and, and I've known you both obviously as a colleague and and as as a friend. Um, and I'd say and we follow each other on Insta, LinkedIn. Um, I, I think your your content has progressed. I would say in the past year, specifically on LinkedIn, with with the, the the series that you just talked about as an example. But never like on Instagram, you would post mildly. I would put, I would put it as an observer, right? I mean, most more like personal photos, um, kind of like things you're interested in. Sometimes funny captions like that was kind of your
1: style. Correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, but right? To- no, totally, totally. I always go for the funny captions. But yeah, it was like it was Start like sparingly people. and like occasionally, yeah. right? I would always make a post when big event in my life or anything like that. Yeah,
0: exactly. Just setting the the kind of tone. It's not like you you had three thousand posts or you post every day. That's not that kind of scene. Now mm-hmm. we go from this to uh, all of a sudden. I think on on I can't remember which morning exactly, but I remember opening. Uh, IG and I see your tape right and this was an audition for a reality show in Canada which I at the time didn't know about called Big Brother and I'm like dude what at first I just thought you were putting out like an audition tape I'm like all right cool let me give this a thumbs up like let me let me help it out and then I realized it was I guess this is what they do they put out the audition tapes of all the characters for a season that's coming up and then I kind of dug a little deeper I'm like oh I I found out what this this whole thing around Big Brother actually was and I told you before we recorded I I never had cable or I did previously, haven't had it for like six years. So it wasn't something I, I come across. Um, but, but that intrigued me, dude. So, and I don't think we had the chance to speak because shortly after you got casted and you had to do your thing, which we're going to talk about um, as much in detail as we possibly can. Before we get there, though, how did that happen, dude? How do you go from Gorgeous, which I know you're still there, just for the preface, mm-hmm. but how does, that, how does an opportunity like that come about and why take the plunge?
1: So, you know, with respect to Big Brother, so Big Brother has been a series in the U.S. They've um, run 22 seasons at this point. 23 is actually coming up next month. So the show's been around for a long time and it's actually international. There's international versions everywhere. Um, But the U.S. and Canadian versions are most closely tied together. They're almost carbon copies of themselves in terms of how the game is played. Canada. So we've been around since 2013. That's when season one was. And um, as soon as it came to Canada, obviously, I'm watching the show. I'm a big fan of it. Um, essentially what the premise of Big Brother is, is you go into the house with either 14, 15 or 16 other house guests, right? From all across Canada. And the goal is to get to the final two and eventually win the game, right? And the game is encompassed with a bunch of different competitions. And um, you have to really come in with a strategy to form good relationships with different people around the house in order to get to the end, right? Because every single week in the house, there's an eviction. Two people are put on the block for eviction, and then the rest of the house votes for who they want to kick out. And so you have to really plan strategically your relationships and, and make sure that everything is meaningful in there in order to last long in the game. And there is, to be honest, there's a lot of deceit involved. There's a lot of lying involved and manipulation. You really have to play people in order to get where you need to get. And um, ever since the show came out or ever since I started watching it in the U.S., um, I just, I just love that aspect of the game. I think it's super interesting the way that people can play on other people's emotions um, and mental states, and just interact on a different level. And so that's always intrigued me, and I've always been a fan of the show because of that. And so when I came to Canada, I actually applied um, for season two or season three, I think, which would have been 2014 really? or 2015. Yeah, that oh, was the I didn't first know time that I were actually
0: like a fan even before this. Okay, okay that exactly because
1: i Exactly, because I was always a fan of the U.S. version. So I've been watching the U.S. version since like season 10. Um, so like 12, 13 years ago at this point, that's when I first started watching it. So as soon as it came to Canada, I'm like, okay, like I definitely need to get myself involved. Never applied for season one. I think I applied for season two or season three. Um, it was when I was in university. I was a completely different person. Um, my video was like, okay, at best, like nothing crazy. I wouldn't have cast me if I saw that audition tape back in back in university. Um, and then I actually never applied since then. Right. Um, because I wanted to finish university and then I wanted to get a job in my field and then develop myself in my field, like do like the whole linear equation. Right. And this year, obviously things are different, right? Everybody's locked down in COVID. People are staying home. Um, everybody's looking for something new to do. And I thought, okay, you know, this is probably a good time to revisit the application that I had Put through six or seven years ago and maybe take another stab at it, right? Like, I'm 26 years old at the time of the application. I'm a totally different person than I was in university. And I think that I could play an interesting character inside of this house. Um, on top of that, Big Brother Canada had announced that they wanted to make the cast 50% BIPOC, so Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. And right. I thought, obviously, that's a very, very good initiative. You know, typically a lot of casts in the past have been majority white in the US and in Canada. And so to see that, obviously, that resonates with me as a person of color, too. And so that just kind of pushed me over the edge to to submitting an application. And, you know, luckily, it worked out for me.
0: Now, two questions. You said like uh, you you saw yourself that you could play a character that would potentially be of interest to them. Did you decide on what that character is or do they kind of tell you what a mole looks like and you would try to fit one that appeals to you most?
1: Yeah, so I you know from from their standpoint, I don't think they have like the set idea of like who and what they want to cast every season, right? Like they want to see a variety of people apply to the show and they wanna cast a very diverse cast and different types of people in the house. Like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be any fun for fans of the show or for them to cast 15 or 16 of the same people, right? It's just not going to work out that well. And so everybody, and this sounds very, very cliche, but like in the application process, you just kind of have to be yourself, right? You have to apply as who you are. Um, take the experiences you had and tell them, you know, how you can apply it to the game. Those are all good things to do. And so that's exactly what I did. And um, you know, it it turned out pretty well for me. I wouldn't say that they carved out a character for me or anything like that. It just Naturally. Throughout the application process. Yeah. Throughout the application process and interacting with them, you know, you start to get an idea of how you want to play the game and like what your strategy is going to be inside the house. And that, I think, is, you know, throughout that application process for me was even part of the game itself uh, before I even got in that house. So I thought that was a very interesting component of the whole process. And, you know, what I enjoyed most about it too is like really just forming who I wanted to be.
0: Hmm. I guess maybe when you, as soon as like, you put the camera in front of you, You probably also wanted to create the story of, you know, the finance guy, a little bit of that, you know, uh, bravado, the the, the sarcasm, you know, maybe a little bit of douchiness just as an exaggeration, I guess. Right. To like really sell on camera because you I mean, if you're just a boring guy on camera. Right. Even if like, let's say we're having a casual conversation, of course, that's not going to be you when the camera's on because you want people to to give a shit about watching you in particular. Right
1: yeah I think that's actually a really good point, right like in that in that whole process, you want to be someone that's entertaining, right you want to be someone that's uh, interesting to watch and so you know, for me, like, did I play up a couple of things that I think were interesting about my personality? Definitely, but they're still part of my personality. So, you know, the whole finance bro thing and, you know, being downtown <laughs> Toronto and having that douchey edge to it, like those are all very, very maybe small parts of my personality, but those are the interesting parts that I think people love sure. watching and interacting with. And so, you know, when you look back at my bio video, that's online, which is about a minute and a half long, like you're going to see a lot of that played up because that's how I wanted to play the game. That's the character that I wanted to be and that I wanted people to watch inside of the house. Um, did that turn out the same way uh, when I actually got in there and started playing? Maybe yes, maybe no. Um, you know, Maybe I reverted back into uh, a little bit more of a nice guy than I was perceived to be in that bio video. But you know, at the same time, like I just wanted to go in and play the game that I wanted to play. And if I needed to change things up based on things that were happening in the house, that's something that I needed to do. And, and that's what ended up happening
0: so when you first received like the i guess hey congrats you're in what was your reaction was it like a lot of excitement because now now that i know that you're a fan i didn't know this before i'm assuming that was probably a big excitement for you was it not
1: honestly super exciting like definitely um one of the most exciting times of my life because because i've watched the show for so long right like i've been a fan (laughs) for like 12 13 14 years whatever it was and like To see people play the game and then to know that you're going to be one of those people, I mean, very, very few people uh, get to have that experience, right? And in Canada alone, I was on season nine. We've only done nine seasons in the U.S. They've done 23. So that's a very, very small subset of people in Canada and then people that applied to the show. And so to have that opportunity to be one of those people, uh, extremely grateful for that experience. And I was over the moon ecstatic when I got that news
0: were you so you were ecstatic first did you did you get that feeling where like where reality sets in and you're like, oh fuck, like now I have to be on a reality show like did that ever happen where there's a bit of nervousness you know uh
1: there there definitely was a bit of nervousness because um I mean this is a national show, right like Big brother it airs three times a week, three times a week in prime time and so it's not like it's not like other shows that are um like pre-recorded and that air one times that air one time a week like you know the bachelor the bachelorette for example right um but this is something that happens in real time right there's a live episode every single thursday and there's a live eviction somebody walks out every thursday and canada can watch that in real time right and so because it airs three times a week and the whole nation is watching it everybody across canada like you definitely get those nerves in the back of your mind like Okay, like, how am I going to get perceived uh, throughout the public? Like, what are people actually going to think of me? Um, you know, I think people in their everyday lives they say, okay, like, don't worry about what people think of you; It doesn't matter, just do your own thing. But when I'll it's on really such a big done. scale like that, exactly, it's it's easier said than done. And like, when it's on such a big scale like that, like all across Canada, and you've got you know a couple billion people watching you every uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, then that's totally inflated, right? And so it takes mm-hmm. it to a whole new level. Uh, and so I think those were where the original nerves came from. But once I walked in there, I think everything pretty much dissolved for me, and I just you know went and was going to be myself. I guess
0: with that point, like I'm um, now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably a good thing that they take your phones away, right? Because one, I'm I'm sure you get less distracted and all that stuff, obviously. But two, you probably can play yourself more at ease versus constantly trying to change yourself based on what people are commenting all day. On your videos, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, not having access to the outside world is a super essential part of this game. Um, you don't want to be privy to comments that are online on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, right. people making suggestions about your game and like what you could do better, what you should have done, or what you could do next time. Like all of those things are gonna impede you, right? And you don't want any of those distractions in the house. And so taking away our phones and social media and any access to online whatsoever is essential to making this game actually what it is because it forces you to interact with the people that are in the house with you right those 14 15 16 other people that are in there with you you have to talk to them you have to interact with them and you have to form a strategy around how you want to get to the end before these people do and that's what i like about the game and you know honestly getting rid of my phone and social media was super refreshing too it just allowed me to unplug a little bit and we were very fortunate at this time because Nobody um, anywhere in the world, given COVID, had the opportunity to be in a room with 15 other people, right? Whereas I did. So, you know, obviously I was grateful for that too and, and having that experience.
0: Yeah, that, that's going to be a good memory, man. Well, we're going to come back to when you when you left and, and kind of post-life after that. But talk to me about the, the first day that you get there, right? Uh, what is that feeling like when you meet all the other participants? I guess you probably met them there the first time. Um, you know, you, you probably get a download of the rules for people also listening. Like you're, you're, you're all in a house for three months all the time, right? Like you can't leave this place. Is that, is that true?
1: Exactly. So you don't leave until you get evicted essentially. Right. So, right, right. um, to your point, excuse me, to your point. Um, so we walk in that house on day one, that's the first time that we meet anybody else that we're going to be living with. So we don't see them prior to the show. That's the first time we meet them. The first time we get to interact with them and um so how the show works essentially is like every week somebody gets evicted sometimes two people get evicted from the house and if you get to um in the early part of the game like usually the first five or six people that get evicted from the game they're done from the game so as soon as they get evicted they actually get to go home to their families to their real life they get their phones back they go back to their jobs um and so those people can be gone from you know any time from like you know, a week, a week basically, um, up until five or six weeks, right? So they could be gone for a shorter period of time. After that fifth or sixth person is gone, we get to a point where it's, um, where it's called the jury, right? So the people that actually end up voting for the winner. So I ended up going to jury and this and we can talk about more about my positioning and where I finished, uh, you know, in a bit, I'm sure you have questions about that. But um, the jury um, is comprised of seven people, sometimes nine people, and those are the people that end up voting for the, the people in the final two. So they vote for who the person it is they want to win um, based on the game that they played. And so because those people are actually voting for the winner at the end, they still have to get cut off from the world. So they don't get to have access to the outside world online access they don't get to see their families but those people actually get transferred to an undisclosed location where they live for the rest of the game um for the balance of the three months until it's time to come back for finale and cast their vote for the person that they want to win
0: so i guess to to your point like if you if you continue winning and you're, you you stay on the game um you could be gone for the full three months
1: Right exactly, yeah, so if you get to a certain point, essentially you're gone for the full three months, no matter if you're in the jury or if you're in the final two, but if you leave before a certain point, then you're going back to your families, you're going back to your everyday life, and, and you get your phone back and everything like that
0: right, so when you surpassed that because i I believe that you did, um, mm-hmm. when you surpassed that what what happens with like your early like pre big brother Canada life, what happens to like did you call up uh gorgeous, like what was i'm just I'm trying to think of uh, how, how that went, you know?
1: Yeah, no, it's, um, so basically it was me being like, I don't know like how long I'm going to be gone for. Like I could be gone for two weeks. I could be gone for three months. It really just depends on my positioning in the game and where I finish. And so it was a very like, um, it was a very, very vague conversation to have definitely. Um, because you can't really give them a concrete answer as to how long you're going to be gone. And so, um, I was just like, look, this is the scenario. This is how it might play out. And uh, luckily, like my team is great. Like We have a really, really cool partnerships team. And and uh, and my boss is phenomenal. Uh, they do their jobs really, really well. So in the event that I was going to be gone for the three months, which I was, people were there to step in for events that I had been scheduled for or uh, meetings that were on the books for me and anything related to, to my job in general. So uh, everyone was good about stepping in and they were super adaptable. Yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah, I was just wondering. I mean, it's, it's probably good for people listening too. If for whatever reason it might be like a sports meet for them or whatever, but just being able to have that conversation too, and and, and not being afraid maybe of doing so, uh, just because of you know what what would your manager think, as an example, or how the, how would the company take it? I mean, to your point, this this might be like a once in a lifetime opportunity as well. Um, so, anyways, you, you progress in the game. What was your your strategy for people? Uh, and and I I want to preface to like one of your. Taglines. It became the row show, right? Like it yeah. was ha- hashtag the Ro show. I, I, I saw that start surfacing, um, so that became synonymous with you. And also the veto power. So explain, you know, those two things and really what helped you progress in the game the most.
1: Yeah, no, it's. Um, I mean, like strategies with respect to Big Brother, they're, they're really hard to go in with a predefined strategy and then actually execute it throughout the course of the game. Like there have been people that have done that, but it's very very hard. But at the same time, it is nice to have something in the back of your mind, right? So generally uh, there are sixteen house guests. This year there were actually 14 house guests, so even fewer. Um, but you know, I wanted to form like an alliance of of close people of about four to five people that I could like rely on, that I can trust in the game, that wouldn't vote to evict me, that wouldn't put me on the block for eviction, and um, kind of ride through the game with those people and hopefully play this like shot collar type of person where I'm more behind the scenes, but other people in my alliance are winning the competitions and gaining power in the house and actually making the moves that everybody sees. But I would be the one in the behind the scenes calling the shots and helping them make those moves and not really putting a target on my back or coming off as a threat. And so that was my original strategy. Uh, However, when I got into the house, there was, you know, big brother, they always have twists, right? Every season, they throw something at you that you didn't see the previous season, right? And their whole tagline is expect the unexpected, right? So you don't, you can't necessarily go into big brother and say okay I know for a fact week 1 this is going to happen and week 6 this is going to happen and week 9 this is going to happen but sometimes they toss different things at you and it really throws off your strategy the thing they tossed at us this year is that we actually started the season in teams of 7 so instead of everybody in the game as an individual we were in two teams of 7 and the first competition that we had we competed in as individuals but for our teams so whoever was the last person standing that team would win the competition. And none of those seven people would be up for eviction that week, but the whole other team would be up for eviction could possibly go home on day six. And so my team, I was, I was in the, I was one of the last two people standing for the first competition, but I ended up losing to uh, Victoria who was on the other team and she won the competition. Her whole team was safe for the entire week and my whole team because of that was up for eviction that week. And so Because I was one of, it's it's kind of hard to explain, but because I was not one of 14 people who could go home week one, but now I'm one of six people who could go home week one. I mean, it just added so much pressure and stress to my strategy and how I was going to execute in the game. And, uh, you know, obviously I stuck around, but we lost a competition in week two again. I was on the block in week two again. And so I was kind of crawling and on my hands and knees from the beginning to make sure that I was in a good spot in the house. Um, and it kind of tossed my strategy out the window because, because of those twists that were thrown my way and because of things that happened in the game. But, you know, like you said, I mean, there were good things that came out of it. I ended up winning um, three power of veto competitions back to back to back. And the power of veto essentially allows you to take one person off the block. And two of the three times I won that power, I was sitting on the block. So I got to take myself off the block and make sure that I didn't go home that week. And um, yeah, I also kind of got a little bit of a brand, right? The Ro Show is, is something good that came out of this as well. It just kind of caught on early on in the game. Somebody came up with the name and, uh, and it stuck. And so a lot of people now recognize me as that, which is super cool. And uh, it's become a little bit of a brand now. And, and you know, I'm, definitely gonna, I'm definitely gonna rock with it and roll with it.
0: Nice. Well, what would you say mm. was your favorite competition?
1: Oh, good question. Um, My favorite competition, I think, so there was, um, I'll I'll probably pick one of the vetoes that I won just because, uh, you know, obviously like it it had a happy ending, but definitely, definitely. So um, there was, um, I guess, we had to basically take uh, I-beams and we had to lay them down across uh, a path. And not every I-beam fit in each respective slot. You had to find the right one for the right slot. So you had to lay down about five or six of those beams. And then at the end, we actually had to form like a 3D condo. We had to build it up and uh, make sure that we had colors matched up correctly, make sure that we had lines and balconies and windows uh, lined up correctly. And we had to build this condo, which was... Probably about three three and a half feet um, you can you know obviously people that watch it on TV can see how it was relative to, to how I was standing and I'm, I'm like five ten so you can do the math um, but but it was a super interesting competition because I like competitions that have different components and aspects to them so that had like the beam building part and then it had the condo building part where you could build up a condo in 3d form and um, and it was a bit of a puzzle right and I don't consider myself to be like overly good at puzzles, but then I got this name, the puzzle master after that, which is crazy. Uh, And so I kind of rolled with that for a bit too, but all of the competitions were super different and interesting. And uh, you know, a a bunch of different winners in the house, multiple people won three or more competitions, which is great to see. And um, you know, there's a couple of people that didn't win any, but that's part of the game and uh, it happens.
0: I was gonna ask you as well um, in terms of I'm losing my train of thought now for some reason. I was just—I was really focused on that beam building competition. Oh, okay, I remember. Um, my my point there was like the the whole puzzle master as an example. You might not be the best at puzzles, but like here you are again, real time in front of millions of people watching. You're doing this. When at what do you do? Like vividly remember what point you stopped feeling like cameras were on you?
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty early on. I would say like, it's um. I would say it's easy for easy to forget, honestly, that that you're on camera twenty four seven, that your microphone twenty four seven. Everybody knows that, right? Like, there's the live feeds; people can hop online, they can watch the live feed. So, things that might not necessarily make it onto the episodes themselves, um, you know, people can basically sit on their computer screens at work and they can watch us inside the house interact with each other. And so, um, the if there's something. The whole, uh, not necessarily the whole time. So sometimes the feeds are, are cut um, depending on what's okay. happening in the house or, um, you know, if there are certain things going on, but Um, generally speaking, you can like, you can log on and you can watch us in real time and you can see the conversations that we're having in real time. And, um, I think for me, I, I, I forgot about the cameras pretty early on. Like I was just going in and I was trying to execute my strategy and, you know, work with the people that I wanted to work with and just play my game. Right. And there were elements of, of, you know, you know, the competitions and going into that aspect where you're like, okay, like let's put on a show. It's time to put on a show. Canada's watching. Um, but yeah, it was it was pretty natural, like I would say, within a couple of days. I think the first couple of days uh, for me was, uh, you know, an adjustment period and just like being inside the house and inside the house that you've watched on TV for so many years. But after I got past that first step, I think I was, uh, it, it was kind of easy to just live my life in there like normal.
0: Now, again, for people who don't know the, the show is, as well, what is that final prize? So let's say you make it all the way to the end. You're the last person standing. What is it? All, all encompassing, not just the, maybe the monetary part, which I think.
1: Yeah, so, uh, well, the monetary part, so it's $100,000 for first place. And then I think a couple of the sponsors this year gave uh, 10000 apiece. So it was a little more than $100,000. Um, there's like a trip for two uh, anywhere in the world type of situation. And so that kind of gets all bundled in into first place prize. Uh, second place prize is, is $20,000. And then everyone else after second place doesn't get anything unless they win something in a competition. So, um, you know, those are, those are from a monetary aspect of prizes. But, you know, on top of that, you have to consider the show itself and being exposed to uh, a whole nation and a couple million people right. that are watching the show three times a week. Right. I mean, there's value in that, too, that even if you don't end up winning, then, you can take this experience and there's been a number of people in past seasons that have taken Big Brother experience and turned it into something else and made a career out of it, um, whether it's reality TV or whether it's something else. But um, this provides a lot of opportunity to a lot of people, too. And so that's, that's a prize in and of itself, um, you know, aside from the grand prize.
0: Yeah, I mean, the recognition is, is massive, especially if you can leverage it the right way. Um, curious for you. That was going to be one of my questions, actually. Do you intend on maybe continuing to, to pave out a route on this side?
1: Yeah, I think so. I'm, uh, I think like, you know, the first few months after the show, like, that's obviously when the iron's hot and, um, it's something that I really enjoyed doing. Like I liked being on camera. Uh, I liked, uh, interacting with people inside of the house. I like doing podcasts and interviews like this. I obviously host one at, at work too with the pitch competition. So, you know, that's, that's kind of all in my arena. Right. So, um, you know, I think there's an opportunity for me to do some stuff on the side, like in my evenings after work or on the weekends, um, and, uh, see what kind of opportunities there are out there. I mean, like there's, there's definitely different things for different people but uh, I do like the environment and the whole content space in general and we talked about content earlier as it related to work so if there are opportunities that come out of this then definitely I'm gonna to look to expand on that and you know eventually they're gonna cast a new season right like they just announced season 10 which has been renewed which is phenomenal uh, and eventually they're gonna cast new people and so you know there's there's an element of you know wanting to maintain relevance and uh, making sure that you're getting out there and doing your thing but there is also a come down period, and making sure that you can appropriately adjust back to real life and and all that stuff. So, definitely, I'll, I'll look to explore opportunities, but uh, but we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, no, I'm excited for you, man. But you know, mm-hmm. I think that that kind of come back, coming back to life, was one of the things we also talked about, um, and it, it was interesting for for you to to tell me that it was probably a bit more challenging than you had expected, and of course, a lot of that, like you know, I, for people just maybe to visualize you're stuck in a house for up to 3 months let's put it that way no phone you're away literally from everything that's your daily routine you leave a door and all of a sudden you're handed your phone back your phone is blowing up with messages instagram all types of social uh you get home there's a bunch of mail waiting for you you know not not to mention if you open up your gmail or your outlook all these things that you might take for like just imagine a 2 week vacation multiply that all the way to 3 months I mean just just to set the stage here. So how was that like for you and how are you managing it so far?
1: Yeah, it's it's a really good point, right? And like even with a two week vacation, I mean like you're constantly on your phone, you know, posting Instagram Stories of like the beach or like your hotel room or whatever it might be. Right. And so, you know, you take that, you amplify it, you put it at three months and then you take away all access to online. Um, it's definitely a different experience. Right. And so, you know, I got to the point where I did in the game. So I had no access to anything for three months, essentially. Um and so, you know, coming out to find out new pieces of information, like for example, the COVID vaccine rollout in Ontario and you know other things that had happened over the last three months, like trades in the NBA that I didn't know about, like little things that you you normally would just like find in your everyday life, just scrolling your phone. I was getting everything all at once. And so it's very, very overwhelming. And you know, to your point with emails too, like I hop on my email at work, I've got like four to five thousand emails and my personal email as well. Like there was so much to go through there. Social media is very big as well. So, like the Twitter world for Big Brother is massive. Also, Instagram. So you're getting comments left, right, and center. Uh, thankfully for me, a, a lot of the comments that I got were positive. So you know, I would say like a good percentage of my comments were positive, and um, you know, people had good things to say about you. But with everybody, like no matter what game you played, um, mm-hmm. there are always going to be people that have suggestions on your game, right? Like what you could have done better, and oh, you were stupid for doing this or dumb for doing that. And so you kind of have to read those and just scroll past them and almost not engage. Uh, but there's so much positive to engage with online. And I was thankful to have that coming out um, where it kind of just took away from any one or two negative comments that you might have got. So. You know that's that's overwhelming in and of itself, and then just basically getting everything back to where it was pre Big Brothers is tough, right? So there definitely is a come down period, I would say for sure, where it's it's a big adjustment, it's information overload, and so I'm still in that process right now. Like I'm, uh, I got out of the house a little over a month ago, just a, probably about thirty five or so days ago, uh, or out of the game rather. So. Uh, it seems like to most people that would be a long time, but it's actually a very, very short period of time for me where I'm still in this adjustment period, uh, getting back to my real life and, and what I would do on an everyday basis. Right. And so it's going to take some time for sure. Uh, and it's, it's a process for everybody. And luckily we have, um, you know, past seasons of cast members. There's been eight past seasons uh, that have been super helpful in the process. And a bunch of them reached out to us after we got out of the house and, and just let us know like kind of what to expect and and how to handle things and, Obviously, people are going to handle things differently, but um, th- it was super helpful to have them as guidance, too. So uh, it's it's going to take some time, but, you know, we're moving and we're getting there. And it was a great experience. I would never take away from the experience. Um, and so we'll just we'll just see how long it takes for me specifically. And it'll take different amounts of time for different people. Dude, can you
0: imagine if if this started in like February and you, you came out of there like April and you had no idea what COVID was? And you just see everybody wearing masks. I mean, I'm just imagining when you were saying that, how daunting that would feel.
1: Well, actually, so it did happen last season and they had to cancel last season. Uh, So basically they went in in February of last year. Right. And then um, they provided updates to the house guests on COVID in the house in March of last year. And then. When, um, when the government kind of shut down, uh, non-essential businesses, they had to end up canceling the season. So big brother Canada season eight actually only lasted, I believe about 27 days or something like that. And then, uh, unfortunately the house guests had to take off and, and get home. But, um, yeah, I mean, imagine getting that piece of information while you're in there when you have no idea what it's all about. It's, uh, definitely would be a crazy experience
0: last one for you man i appreciate a lot Mm -hmm. of this this honestly this was a lot of personal curiosity too that i've been waiting to to ask you so i appreciate that and probably different from your interviews around the more technical like in the house moments because i feel like i checked Mm -hmm. out some of your interviews preparing for this but i wanted to come in with this like naivete almost uh for people who might not be familiar with it but just generally curious of your transitions because that's my personal curiosity but last one for you You've obviously made the jump several times, as we talked about from, you know, the financial space, the startup space, you then venture into um, not just, it's not like just a a commercial. It's not just like a small thing, you know, one time. It's probably like one of the hardest things to do in front of being in front of live television. What was the biggest thing you, you probably took away from it?
1: The biggest thing I took away is like, don't be afraid to live a non-linear life. I think it, I think that's one of the things that I had been thinking about in university, right? We talked about this earlier. I wanted to like, after I applied that first time, I was like, okay, I'm not going to do it again because I want to go and get my degree and I want to get a job in my field. And then I want to develop myself in my job in my field. And like, it, to me, like that was all very linear. Like that's what you're supposed to do, right? Um, a lot mm-hmm. of people think, you know, when you go to university and go and take that traditional route. And so, I would just say like color outside of the lines and do different things. Um, You know, life doesn't have to be linear. You can make it nonlinear. You're a unique person, no matter who you are. And if you can get yourself out there and put yourself in front of millions of people, I mean, like that's a phenomenal thing to do. But if you don't want to do that and you want to do something a little smaller scale, um, but you're just still stretching the borders, then that's totally fine, too. Um, and, you know, with respect to me specifically, too, and South Asian representation, I think is really cool um, to talk about, too, because, um, you know, a lot of times South Asians are really pigeonholed in very, very specific roles. And Big Brother Canada 9 was like one of the most diverse seasons or was the most diverse season that there has ever been, um, right. where, you know, there, over 50% of the cast was Black, Indigenous, or people of color. Um and we had five members who were open in the LGBTQ community uh, out of 14 house guests, which is you know crazy over over a third of the cast. So, you know, to have the opportunity to represent people on that level, too, I think was super cool. And and, uh, you know, I've gotten a lot of support on that front, too. So, yeah, color outside of the lines and make things non-linear is, is my advice and my takeaway. If you
0: found this podcast useful, make sure to share it out with your community. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the podcast. I'll see you next time.